There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Your good friend Adam Scott came into the solo golf pro shop outside the U.S. Open last week. It was really good to meet him in the flesh. Oh, cool. Was he nice? No, he was really mean. He was he, he didn't Total give us the time yeah. of day. No, no, no. He um, he stayed for like <laughs> half an hour. It was great. He, he just sort of awesome. hung out and touched a bunch of stuff and asked a bunch of questions. It was great. That's super cool. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's a prince amongst men. I mean, he's really like, first of all, he's like the best looking human being I've ever seen. Uh, and he's also just like so good at golf and so nice and just like he's just he's i would describe him as 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 like a real life prince like if he were a prince i wouldn't be that surprised you know when he walked through the door i gasped i I, he took he he (laughs) He took my breath yeah (laughs) yeah it's really it's it's too much it's too much for sure he's the he's the prince of golf so that's right yeah Well, Ben, we, uh, our friends at, at Loose Impediments like to, to start their show asking what's on your golfing mind. And I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but I know that you were just at a, a very special golf destination destination recently. So maybe that might be what's on your golfing mind. That's, that's very much on my mind. So I was just at Bandon Dunes uh, the week before last, which my friends and I um, booked in January of the, the previous year. So a good like 16 to 18 months before we would actually get out there. It was my first time, you know, a little background. Like I, I played like golf in high school, but it was like never very good. And I pretty much just used it as an excuse to like kind of like drink and smoke with my friends. Um, <laughs> and then like stopped playing for like 10 years when I was building Hodinkee. And then got back into it probably four or five years ago, really when I became really good friends with, with Adam Scott. Um, and now, I, now I'm obsessed with it. And Band and Dunes, you know, I didn't even know what it was probably two years ago. And now it's like all I can think about all day. And having just been there, like it is, it far exceeds a- anything that I've ever experienced, public, private, in the United States or abroad. Have you guys all been? No. No. I, I've spent yeah. a good amount of time there. I think I've been, I, I lived yeah. in Portland, Oregon for 10 years and I was down there six or seven times in that in that Got stretch it. so you get it uh, i mean it is just it's and maybe it's just because it's so like i'm i'm in new york i'm from the east coast like it's just so dramatically different than what i'm used to like it's the opposite of what we have like here if you're lucky you're playing like beautiful parkland like manicured like you know kind of like greens that stick uh type of environment and out there it's just the opposite of that and it was just it was just remarkable and like the weather worked out in a perfect way in the sense like we had two days of like shitty rain but like i was like really into it because it was like that's that's what i expected and then one or two days of sun and then like one day in between, it was just, it was just remarkable. And so I haven't played since then. So right now I'm thinking, how can I like kind of like embrace what I, what I learned about myself as a golfer in Bandon Dunes and take it back here. So yeah, Bandon Dunes is very much on my mind and I think will be for, for a long time to come. So what did you learn about yourself as a golfer? You sort of alluded to that, but I, I, I agree with you where you're going that that kind of place seems to teach you something about golf and about yourself along the way. What did you yeah. glean? Well, I mean, first of all, it changed my perspective on like what good golf is. And again, I think like growing up here uh, and now thankfully getting to play like some pretty nice courses every now and then, like I, I had one vision of what a good golf course was in my mind. And like band Indians changed that dramatically. And like, I would say like, like those five courses and I played all of them, like are probably the top five courses I've ever played, at least in my mind. And like, I've, I've played, like I played Wingfoot, but I lived in the area I've been lucky enough to play Seminole. I've played like one or two like insane places and the banding courses were just more fun and like just more friendly and more um, challenging in a different way. Like, you know, like Wingfoot's insane, obviously like the, the, it's manicured like to the nines. It's remarkable. Uh, But like, you know, a lot of the defense is just like just a fucking six inch rough, you know, like that's really hard to get out of. Like, I think we would all admit that, but like Bandon has none of that and it can be equally as challenging, but just in a dramatically different way. And then also, like, it, you know, I got to, 
I got to go to band in with people I've known like a really long time. Like one of them, which is my cousin, who's basically my best friend. And then two kids I went to college with like guys that I've known in like my pre Hodinki world, which like, you know, in, in a weird way, like those are the, the relationships that I value the most because like you, and I'm not saying Hodinki is anything special, but like you do something of some note and like all of a sudden, like you've got a whole different set of friends uh, and like to experience that, um, to experience a place like Bandit Dunes with like authentic friends and people you've known a long time was, was really an amazing thing. And like, that's just now the, the version of golf that I want to be playing all the time. And on top of that, I was playing out of my mind last year, like most golf I've ever played. And I've been fucking sucking like this year. And I don't really know why. And then Abandoned Dunes, it just like, it clicked. And now I'm playing great again and, and life is good. So the, the, the magic here is to pack up, go to Abandon, come back and you'll, you'll be good. I like that. It's the... <laughs> yeah, just go to Abandoned Dunes, you'll figure it all out. Pilgrimage, okay. I like that. Ben, I know that you're from uh, from Rochester. Um, what was yeah. What was golf like growing up in upstate New York? Yeah. I mean, so I, I was not a country club kid. I always like for better or worse, I kind of wanted to be like, I, I aspired to, to be those kids that could like, you know, go out and play whenever they wanted. Like my maternal grandfather got me into it. He's also the same guy that gave me my Omega, which is kind of like what led to Hodinki. So super important guy in my life. And, um, I ended up actually one summer working at Oak Hill in the locker room. Like, like I was basically, I wasn't basically, I was shining shoes. I actually shined Adam Scott's shoes as a kid, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, and, and Tiger Woods. And, and I'm like, yeah, like one of the first times I met him, I was like, so, you know, like, I've shined your shoes in like, you know, 1999 or 2000 or something like that. Um, and wow. uh, it was actually, I could tell you, it was 2001 because it was the PGA Championship in, in, in Rochester. Um, so Oak Hill was in Rochester. So that, you know, I got to play there every now and then uh, when I worked there. Um, it was, you know, Rochester is like a weirdly golf centric town. You know, it you have all you have the Walter Hagen connection. You have Oak Hill, which is an unbelievable course, one that I seldom got to play, but I did when I worked there. Uh, and then Country Club of Rochester, which is a Donald Ross course. Like we had like real golf around. Uh, but again, like I did, I didn't understand it. I didn't take it seriously. Like I was using hand me down everything. Uh, both my parents were teachers, so like it wasn't like I was getting fitted at Oak Hill or anything like that. Um, and uh, it was just awesome. And I had two or three good friends that, that ended up kind of, they were way better than me and kind of inspiring me to play. And then again, like when I went to college and then when Odinki kind of really took off, I stopped entirely because it's New York City and like, I couldn't afford it. I didn't have a car. You know, even if I did have a car, it would, it would take eight hours to play around the golf in the area at a public course. Um, and uh, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a great place to grow up for, for golf. Of course, the winters made it tough. So it, it wasn't like anything I, I ever thought would be meaningful in my life. And now, now here we are. What was that conversation like when you were like, hey, so um, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like Adam is truly like one of the kindest people I've ever met. And I, I was lucky enough that he actually requested through Rolex uh, to meet me. He'd become a fan of Hodinkee, and he's like a very serious watch guy, which is how he and I connected probably five years ago. And so, you know, being able to like, when, when you get that call or email from Rolex being like, hey, like Adam Scott really wants to meet you. Do you want to like go hang out with him at the President's Cup? I was like, sure, you know, so already off, already off to a good, uh, to a good start there. And then like, we just realized that like, we are, you know, even though he's better than me in literally every way, we are very <laughs> similar people. Uh, and, uh, and so we just became kind of fast friends. And then like, you know, probably like the second or third time, um, we played golf together. I, I told him that. And I actually, had for, I had forgotten it until he brought up Oak Hill. And I was like, oh my God, I have shined your shoes, which is an amazing way to kick off a friendship. Right. Right. <laughs> well, you, you brought up you know, the first Omega you received from your grandfather. Uh, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, nostalgia tied in with that. And, and I'm assuming you still have the watch. Um, I do. Can, you, can you talk 
about that relationship that you had with that man and and how much that yeah. watch means to you and how it led to the start of Hodinkee. Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, both my parents were, were teachers, like public school teachers in Rochester, like very, very normal, like middle class kid. And, you know, I love and respect my parents a great deal, of course. But like I had this I had this maternal grandfather who was an entrepreneur. He had started, believe it or not, a cigarette lighter business in the 60s, which, as you can imagine, was like a pretty big business at the time uh, or what became a big business and sold it. And like he he lived in out here in Long Island and then he had a house in Florida and he just like was a really different kind of person that like he worked for himself. He drove a Mercedes. He had a Rolex and Omega. But and like, and so he was like, you know, successful in, you know, in, in my mind's eye. But he was also incredibly kind and lighthearted and like never took himself too seriously and, you know, could be assertive when he needed to be, but like wasn't an asshole. Like he was just like this guy that I was like, wow, like, like this is a different kind of person, frankly, a different kind of person than my mother or father different kind of person than most of my friends' parents. And he was who I aspired to be even, even before I knew what like an adult was or like what a business person was. Um, and so he's the guy that got me into golf because he had a, he, he would take my sister and I out to play when we were kids. Um, and then he gave me this Omega that was, that was his, like, it wasn't like he bought it for me. It was on his wrist. He took it off one day when I was 16, he handed it to me, said, I want you to have this. And that was just mind blowing. And like, I was already into like, I don't want to call them like nice things, but I was into like mechanical things, like cameras, cars, you know, um, uh, compasses, weirdly, uh, rotary telephones and, and, and watches. And it's so, like the idea as a 16 year old of getting like an Omega Speedmaster is just like bananas, you know, it's just completely insane. Um, and he's just like, look, I, re I really, you know, I, I'll paraphrase, but like, I really value the relationship that you and I have. Uh, you know, I want you to have something that like is meaningful to me. And so he gave me that watch. And, you know, frankly, like I was in high school. So like, I wasn't wearing that in high school, in high school. Um, my parents basically kind of like, they said, you can wear whatever you want, but be responsible. So I didn't really wear it in college either. I only really started wearing it kind of afterwards because it was worth, you know, a few thousand bucks. And, uh, and that watch led me to, to create Hodinkee, you know, several years later in, in the last financial crisis in 2008, I was working in finance because like I wanted to to have the things that I saw on TV and the things that he had, which was like a cool car and like a nice watch. Um, and it feel it felt like it's very different now. Like I, I, I might be a little bit older than, than some of you guys, but like 15 years ago, like the cool thing was not working at a startup. The cool thing was working in banking. Like if you worked at Goldman Sachs, you were the fucking man. Like you worked at Morgan Stanley or Lehman Brothers. Like that's what like kids in New York wanted to be. It wasn't like I've got some cool company or Google or Apple. Um, and so that's the route that I took and I hated it. Like absolutely hated it. Uh, and it was around that time that Lehman brothers collapsed and I started to write about watches. Uh, and now, you know, 15 years later, here we are with like 200 employees and like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing now. Um, but the, the whole idea behind Hodinkee is like sharing this love of the thing much more than like sharing like any appreciation of like cost or bragging or anything like that. It's about just like loving the, the thing. And in this case, the thing is a mechanical watch. I think that's the thing that's made Hodinkee so successful is just the approachable nature of all of the content and, and uh, writing uh, ever since you started it. And uh, I think some of those fasc fascinations really carry over to the, the golf world as well. And, you know, the people that are yeah. really into gear tend to also yep. be really into things uh, in the in the golf world as well. So I can see how that you can kind of cross pollinate those uh, those interests together really really nicely yeah and i think like you know it's it's very common for a watch guy to be a golfer and, and vice versa you know it's also like golf you know with the exception of frankly like cool guys like you and like what eric anders lang and like all the you know like all like the guys that are like trying to make it more interesting which i which i love a lot 
you know, the, the, the watch world, I'm sorry, the golf world reminds me of watches 15 years ago, which like still, no matter how many podcasts like this exist or how many great Instagram feeds there are, like it's still run by rich white guys. And like the watch, to be clear, the watch world is too, but like we're, we're changing that every day. And I think like that is something, and like, I, I, I happen to be a white guy. I was not born wealthy in any way, but like, you know, I really, I take umbrage with the idea that like these people that are in positions of power have been just kind of like handed it and aren't willing to accept that like there's a different version of golf or watches out there. Mm. And I think, you know, podcasts such as this one, like do a great job at like explaining that like golf is growing and it's growing in a really different way than it ever was mm. before. And like the, the Tiger Woods era was, of course, like you know, that was peak growth. But that was even though it was around a person of color and it was the the dawn of the Internet age, et cetera, like that was that was a really special moment. But I think now it's growing in an even more interesting diverse way and diverse in every sense of the word way um and it's just really exciting and i think like that's what's what's kind of like kept me interested in golf beyond like the actual playing of it uh, over the past few years yeah and even even a step further i mean i i think it's like there has been so much talk in golf about growth of the game grow the game etc yeah but i think what's arguably just as important is a, a more nuanced conversation about the people who are already involved as well Right. And I think I think that's yeah. the whole mission of this show anyways. And the conversations that we're having here is the people that already in, in, engage with this game can also do so on a deeper level and on a more connected level, yeah. on a more emotionally enlightened level. And so I think I, I wonder if that that carries into watches as well, that, yes, you want the growth of market. Yes, you want more product sales because watches are a product, not a not a service. You can't run out of bandwidth with watches um, like you can on a right. golf course. But is there that same sort of nuanced or like stylistic conversation that's happening in the watch community as there is currently happening in golf too? Definitely. definitely. And it, it's really one-to-one. -one. I mean, it's like the, the, the average age of our, of our buyer on Hodinkee and mind you, like we sell like kind of expensive stuff is 30. Like that's pretty fucking young, young for a site that sells expensive watches, you know? And, you know, even, even, you know, the, the average age of a guy who would buy a watch at like Tourneau or watches in Switzerland, which would be like our, our you know, kind of friendly competitors in the traditional space would be, I would say 55 to 60, you know, it's like dramatically different audiences. And like, there is overlap, of course. And like, I respect them. They respect us. It's all good. But like the idea of like growing things in a different way is, is really exciting to me. And I think like, there's a long way to go in watches and golf. I think we would both admit, but like the way that I look at it is like slow change is better than no change. And like, there is change happening. And I think again, you know, products such as yours and feeds such as yours, like it really is validating that like there are interesting people interested in this space in a way that is atypical than you would expect from from your average young golfer which like you know i think in a lot of people's eyes was like you know the legacy member at wingfoot or something like that which is like not at all what really represents real real i don't want to say real golf but like you know most people's versions of golf right changing gears a little bit i i'm i'm always curious by people who have multiple hustles as the three of us on this show do you are involved with mm -hmm. a lot. You're, you're a fast talker. You're a quick wit. You're like, you have, you seem to have a lot going on all the time. I'm curious what your experience is when you shut off or if you shut off, what, what's your, yeah. what does your alone time look like? How yeah. do you spend? How do you act? What's your, what's your escape from it all? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're on a golf podcast. So like the, the authentic answer is, is golf mm -hmm. for sure. The other one would be cars. So it's like, you know, as uh, like classic cars, I, I like, I love, I love things that like you basically can't control. Like I, I'm not a control freak in any way, or at least I don't think I am. But like with Hodinkee, like it became, I was so involved with it for so long and still am 
that like I just like things that are like wildly out of my control. And like golf, I can I'll never tame. Obviously, a, an old car like if it if it makes it around the corner, I'm just happy to be there. You know, um, so those are the two things that I really enjoy. And like they both involve some sort of style. They involve being outdoors. They involve being with with my friends, kind of away from work. And like you know, Hodinki is around watches. I'm wearing a, a nice watch right now. It's always going to be a part of my life, but at a certain point, it, it kind of overtook my life. And so I still do love watches and I still will buy watches here and there. But like from a community aspect, vintage cars and, and, and golf is definitely kind of where I, I shut off and, and find myself enjoying myself the, the most for sure. But for, for golf, for me is, it, you know, the, the thing that I love about it is that it's so different for everybody and it could be different for me from Thursday to Friday, you know. And it could be on Thursday, I'm playing by myself in the morning at the local, you know, county course around the corner from my house, just to get out there and get some exercise, get some fresh air. And then the next day, I could be out kind of like having a beer or two with my friends and, you know, gambling a little bit mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. or not, you know, or going to Band and Dunes with four people I've known for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what's so amazing about golf is exactly that. Like, it is so multifaceted, and it can be so many different things to so many people, including that same person. That's a really good point. Do you ever play golf by yourself? All the time. I love it. I'd love it. I, so I'm a, even though you might not believe it from this conversation, like I'm a complete introvert. Like I, I love being alone. Like I, I recharge when I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was, I was, my, <laughs> my parents were actually like kind of concerned about it. I was like incredibly quiet when I was a kid, like just totally introverted in my own head. And I think that's what's allowed me to, to, to kind of like, uh, mentalize people and see people kind of a little bit more than, than, than others, because like, I was just like sitting there observing the world for the first, we'll call it 12 to 13 years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I, I adore playing golf by myself. Um, you know, if I have time, I'll go out and, and I'm nine times out of 10, I'll walk, but you know, sometimes I'll rush out by myself and take a cart. I, I belong to a small little like course near the house called Walkabuck. And, you know, it's a pretty old place with not a ton of members. So I can just go out by myself and, and do it. And it's just, it's just a great experience. I, I I'm an early riser. I'm up at 5am every day. So if I can be the first guy out and just do my own thing, that is a delight. And then like sometimes if I have to, I'll bring one of my several sets of AirPods and uh, and take phone calls on, on, on the course. Yeah, I love playing by myself. Well, you're amongst friends here. Um, I think e- each of us enjoy the, the walk, uh, the walk alone sometimes too, especially on the course. What, what are, when you're out there, um, no buds, no earbuds, you're not taking yeah. phone calls. This is just, you know, been in the course. What are what are the things that you're observing from an introvert's mind? What are what are things you're what are your senses yeah. telling you? I mean, a, a lot of it is just. I mean, it's weirdly. Again, you might be surprised by this because I'm like not in particularly great shape, but like really being mindful about my body and like breathing. And I've gotten really into like sleep tracking. I was big into the aura ring for a little <laughs> bit, or actually for a, a long bit, and uh, and just like kind of seeing how my body responds and like via the aura ring and the, this doctor that I that I see like really seeing how my body responds to the night sleep before how I'm stretching or if I didn't stretch what I'm eating, et cetera, like just being mindful of, of, of my body. And I, I just had a, a child earlier this year or really late last year. I'm like, that changes your perspective on everything. And like, now if there's one thing I am going to be committed to is like taking care of myself so that my daughter has a father for as long as humanly possible. And so, you know, it, it's a lot about me there, but I think ultimately when I go out and play by myself, it really is about shutting and like, I will only bring my AirPods if I have to, or if there's something like critical, but like, I just want to go out there and be by myself and shut off completely because I do, 
I do have a lot of stuff going on and, and like, it is intense. You know, I've had, I've had three meetings and a breakfast already today, you know? And like, after this, I go into something at 11 and then I've got a lunch at 12 and like, it is kind of nonstop. So like just being out there on my own is really, it's a delight. Truly. Yeah. And when you are playing out there by yourself, we, we usually save this question towards the end of the podcast, but I think it makes sense here. Um, imagine you had the opportunity to play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself with the, the 12 year old, mm-hmm kid who's in his own head and you know observing the world if you could play a round of golf with that version of ben what do you think the conversation would look like what would you talk to him about and or or would it just be silent (laughs) (laughs) we just didn't talk we just looked at each other you know i I think you know i I think the one piece of advice that i would give a younger version of myself and i've said this uh, you know kind of elsewhere is like just realize that like if if it like why not you or like just just try and i think like that's something that like you know i I doubt any of you guys have ever been to rochester i don't know why you would have been Uh, but like rochester is like you know a third tier city in upstate new york that like we used to have kodak we used to have xerox we used to have these like big big fortune 500 companies and then they all left Mm. and so like the the whole town just like you know kind of like became you know a shell of its former self and like there you know there were like i think what was so appealing about my my grandfather was that he was so different than everybody else in rochester who had like not at all been beaten down by life, but like, you know, like was facing challenges in a certain way. And I think like I needed somebody back then to say like, like, you know, if you want to go out and start a company and do and hang out with Adam Scott at a great golf course on a Monday, like, you know, you could do that. Mm. Like if you want to start a company that will inspire other people, like you can do that. If you want to write a book someday, you could do that. And I think it wasn't like I was ever told that I couldn't do that, but I think the overt encouragement was, was lacking from, from my experience. And I think like just having somebody that was kind of in my corner sooner to give me the confidence to try stuff, I think really would have been helpful. And so I think if I had the opportunity to play 18 holes with a 12 year old version of me, it would just simply be my advice would just be like, just try things like find the stuff that really makes you happy and go for it. And I think also realizing like the stuff that doesn't make you happy, like don't force yourself into something. And like, I worked for a, a big bank for 18 months or so and hated it. I mean, like hated it with a capital H and like, I think a certain version of myself hmm. and I think probably my parents would have suggested that like, I stick with that because like, you know, I was making good money and I had good healthcare and insurance and whatever. And like, I'm just, I'm so beyond that at this point. I, I would encourage people to really consider like what makes them really happy in life and just go for it. What would he say to you? Yeah. <laughs> he probably wouldn't say much, honestly. <laughs> he would just like, <laughs> look at me. No, he, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think again, like a 12 year old version of me was, was really pretty pretty isolated and i you know i had like three or four like very good friends but i i was not confident in myself at all you know so i a 12 year old version would probably just sit there and listen and be like and probably have like a lot of doubts that like what even though i am i am me like even though uh even though we are one and the same like i think he would probably have doubts that like he could do this stuff you know and i think it's again coming from a small town in upstate new york not being exposed to entrepreneurship and like, you know, kind of like even, even self-employed, like Mm -hmm. even people that own like small businesses, like I didn't really, I wasn't Mm -hmm. really exposed to that in in Rochester. Everyone worked for Kodak or was a teacher or a doctor or whatever. Um, You know, the idea of like working for yourself was just crazy to me. And that, that I think I would have some self, I would have doubts about for sure. Yeah. It's funny because golf is such a, a game of confidence, right? And, and doubt doesn't manifest well as you're about to take the club back. Is that kid still in you? Is is there still doubt in you? Do you still wake up in the morning and and question the the shot you're about to hit, the you know the 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 business decision you're about to make? 
Yeah, I mean, it's much less so than ever before. But I mean, like who you are at that age is kind of like who you are always, at least at some level. So yeah, I mean, I think that person still exists. But like, through, uh, through actual therapy, not just group golf therapy, <laughs> I've, I've been able to kind of like figure some, some stuff out. Um, but, and that's okay. And it's like, I'm just more, I'm more at peace with myself than, than I've ever been. But that, that person will always be with me. Just like, you know, you, you don't lose childhood stuff, but it's, um, it's all good. And like, you know, I've just kind of made peace with it. And like, I know, I know exactly who I am now. I know my own strengths. I own, I know my own efficiencies and deficiencies. Like it's, it, it's all good. But so that person, that little version of me doesn't come out too often, but of course he's still there. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, the online therapy platform that the three of us use. I use it religiously and it's led to a great relationship with a therapist that I have from anywhere in the country. We love it because you can pick and choose someone just like dating, but even better since this is such a, a very personal time commitment and position that you're putting yourself in. And you can take 10% off your first month of therapy using our link. And if you use code GGT at checkout, that will activate that 10% off your first month, courtesy of Group Golf Therapy and BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash GGT for 10% off your first month of service. Hit them straight, mind your golf, and stay tuned for our BetterHelp moment of clarity later in this episode. Ben, uh, as the as the resident father of uh, of group golf therapy, has uh, has becoming a, a father yourself taught you anything about your about golf, or has, has your your relationship with golf changed other than the fact that you might not have as much time to, to do it anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely that. I mean, yeah. that, that that's a real thing. If you have kids, you know, like it's just an immediate life reset. Like everything changes. And like as a guy who has had a, you know, if I may say like a really, really kind of like fun existence for the past 10 plus mm -hmm. years of just like hanging around with cool shit for, you know, around the world with interesting people, um, it, it kind of re resets uh, my interest in, in, in all that. And like I've been doing Hodinkee for approaching 15 years. So I've been doing this a long time. And my my priorities had already been reset, but they were reset again when her name is Georgie when she was born. Uh, but with golf, like it just, I'm just more critical of everything now. And I don't mean critical in the sense of like I dislike. I use my, like I am an editor. Or I was an editor as a writer. Like I use my editing skills. So like, oh, do I really need to go out and play with this person this Thursday at a place I've played a thousand times? Like I really don't, you know? Um, but it just, it just, you know, has really allowed me to refocus on, on everything. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing for sure. Do we want to get into some of the, the meat and potatoes here? Do it. Ben, so we have, uh, our good friend, Adam Scott, and let's say you guys are playing in like a, a tag team match play. You guys win the, the tournament and then they, they invite you back the next year for the, the champions dinner. What would mm -hmm. be on your, your champions dinner? <laughs> uh so there, there's you know you, you can't take the rochester out of me like there, there's a place called pontillo's pizza in rochester new york uh that like i never worked at i i was a, I actually was a pizza cook before i worked at oak hill in the locker room <laughs> but this place called pontillo's that would be up there probably just like pepperoni pizza and, and chicken wings um there's mm -hmm. also a, there's a place which you may have heard of called wegman's which is a grocery store in upstate mm -hmm. oh, new york yeah. you guys are nodding at so like wegman's is from rochester so like the the first one was up there and like the sandwiches from up there, like these are kind of like the comfort foods of, of my childhood. Like, so Wegman's sub and Pontillo's pizza would, would, would be on, uh, would be on that, that menu. Definitely. At that, at that tournament that you inevitably win alongside Adam Scott, first tee, um, Ben Clymer to the tee, 
what's the walk up music? Mm-hmm. What's your what's your pump up song oh, as you man. as you step up to uh, shoot that first tee ball? That's a really good question. Uh, so I, I don't know. This is like a, a slight sidestep of it because I haven't really thought about it. But like, if there's a song that I wish I had written, it's probably uh, Cecilia. Mm. If you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's like, so I'm like, a, as, as I think you're kind of picking up at this point, like I'm, I'm like a very simple person, even though like I kind of like work in like luxury and all that. <laughs> and it's like, there's something about that song that is like slightly melancholy, but also like the beat is so positive and so simple that like, it just like excites people. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's kind of like a nice analogy for kind of, kind of who I am. Um, so that, that's a song that I wish I'd written in terms of like, like a pump up song. It's probably some Jay-Z song who's like, you know, it's one of those things like he's just been part of my life since I was a kid and like always, always. What, what album? It, it's, it's probably a reasonable doubt. Okay. It, it's reasonable doubt. I sure. need to add it to the GGT walkups, uh, playlist. So. <laughs> yeah. So just add Brad, just add the entire album. The entire yeah, reasonable the entire doubt. Run. Which is fair. Yeah, exactly. I heard a musician say in an interview, good songs either make you want to dance or make you want to cry. And great songs make right. you want to do both. And I feel like Cecilia right. fits into that category of, and you, you described yeah. it well, though, like the, the nostalgic melancholy of the, of the melody, but it also just like, it, it makes you want to move. Totally. Yeah. Like it, in, in, in my, in my mind's eye again, like the, you know, like the, the, like, let's say when they wrote that song, like the idea of just like people outside having a great time, like around a campfire or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, very like Americana type of, you know, kind of kind of vision in my head but like again like if you listen to the words it is kind of like sad yeah you know and i think it's like mm-hmm. and that that i think is as, as you said kind of a beautiful thing to kind of hit on, on both the ups and the downs of life let's get into our our better help moment of clarity drew do you have your yes. intention card so ben we're yeah. uh, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, which is an online therapy platform Every week, we we pull uh, an intention card. We have this deck of cards that has mm-hmm. one word on it, and we'll present you the card and give you some time to to riff on what that card means to you in the moment right now. Okay, great. All right. Well, the intention card today is efficiency. No. Okay. I I can definitely do that one. I mean, I, I think like, efficiency for me is it's something that I've really struggled with. Like, even though you know, I've presented myself as like a highly like organized structured person. And like, you know, there may have been people helping schedule this and all that. Like I am not an efficient worker at all. Like, in fact, I probably have like 11 things going on at once. And I've got like my little notebook here with like all my to-do lists. And it's like, I haven't crossed stuff off for probably like the past two years uh, or there's things in there that are two years old. Uh, and so I think like efficiency is really just figuring out the best way for you to work and, and get stuff done. And like prioritization, I think, is is paramount to, to to life in general and it's like i've got literally a probably 40 or 50 you know item to do list in this notebook but like there are five of them that like are mission critical mm-hmm. and then there's probably another 10 of them that are like are pretty important and need to be done and then there's probably 20 that like should be done and then there's probably five that like you know like okay like if i didn't do them it wouldn't be the end of the world mm-hmm. you know and so i think just like prioritizing things will make you kind of the most efficient version of you are and i think the other thing that like I've really become way better at over the past few years. And I think that comes with self-confidence is just saying no to stuff. Mm. And I think like the best version of you, the most efficient version of you is the guy or the gal that, that can say no to things in a, in a responsible, respectful way. And I think, you know, obviously becoming a parent helps to do that. Also becoming like, you know, somebody like if you have a lot going on at work, like you just like, I just, I'm not like, I won't be able to give you my best, you know, hour here. Like you just don't need me in that meeting. Like you go do it. Uh, so learning to say no, I think, is is an amazing way to become more efficient. 
the power of the no. I love that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your your think about your, your favorite playing partners. Your yeah. your your go to crew on the course. Um, what is the time that you can point to on the golf course that you you or a friend or your group have laughed the absolute hardest? Yeah. So my 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 cousin, who's a few years older than me, my best friend, his name is Justin. We we played. We try to play. He doesn't live in New York, so we don't play together the most. But we try to play together a lot. He was with me in Bandon Dunes one time. I'm like just a little bit better than him. I'm probably like I don't know like three or four strokes better than him, like on any given day uh, and always have been, hopefully always will be, et cetera. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were out in Arizona once playing golf and it was the 18th hole and we were tied going into the 18th hole and you know, whatever, like we both put it like, you know, we'll say on the left side of the fairway and there's water on the left side and I hit my shot and it's like, we'll say slightly off the green, like a decent shot on the par four we're tied and he goes up and he's just talking so much shit. I mean, just like a remarkable amount of shit. And uh, he goes on, I have it on video and I, I send it to him almost monthly, just to remind him of this, <laughs> um, where he, he just like, I don't know what the fuck happened. Like well, neither of us are good golfers. We were way worse back at the time, but he like swung and the ball went like sideways, like almost backwards, like just like, punk, like right into the water. And we just both just started fucking dying laughing. It was like, I've never seen him talk more shit in, in our entire life. And the fact that it happened on the 18th hole, like I just just mashed them at nothing. Uh, and, uh, and I got on video is just remarkable. And so like now that video has become a thing. I thought about sending it into like Zyre golf. Cause it's just like, it's too good. Um, and it is just like, it's still like, even just thinking about it, like just brings joy to my eyes right now. It's, it's so good. And it's like, it's the type of laugh that I'm and like the type of situation like could only happen with somebody you've known forever. Yeah. Somebody that like you like you love and you love to see fail, yes. but in like the best fucking way. You know yes. what I mean? Like I don't want them to actually fail, but like I want them to fucking suck at golf for sure. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just it's it's so funny. Ben, what are some of your favorite golf smells? Oh, interesting. You know, I mean, obviously, like the you know the archetype in in in, in this arena would be like fresh cut grass, etc. There is a <laughs> there's a there's a breakfast burrito at a course that I play all the time that is like you know a, a very very fucking very good smell. Yeah, I mean I, that that would be up there. That like that makes me happy because like it's more like I usually play in the morning and like I'm usually like you know malnourished or, or <laughs> something of that variety. You know, in the morning and like that just that that feels good for sure. But yeah, it's uh it's a breakfast burrito at a course near near the house by me. I like that. Yeah, it, that's good. That would be an interesting candle for us too. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're in the process of developing some yeah. GGT smell yeah. candles, some golf some yeah. golf candles. Amazing. And so breakfast burrito might be on there. Onions onions and peppers might be on there. Yes. That's right. <laughs> ben, is there is there anything that you would say is uh your your mortal wound or or your Achilles heel that you just haven't been able to uh conquer in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's like, there, you know, uh, I mean, of course, like nobody, nobody's perfect. I mean, like, I so in, I'll go to golf because that's the easiest. So, like, I've become pretty good. Like, I'm a single digit handicap. Like, I, I've never intended to be like a competitive golfer, but like, I always wanted to be a single digit handicap, and I've gotten down there. But I have the strongest fucking grip you can possibly imagine. Like, you can't even, like, you actually can't imagine how strong yeah. it is. And if you watch, we, we've I seen some of the videos. Video. Yeah, we've seen the videos. Yeah. Okay, yeah, with, with Adam and like. Adam is like, what the fuck is that? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I've just, I've had it since I was a kid. I never took lessons when I was a kid. So I don't know where it came from. 
But like, I'm, I'm a single digit handicap. I'm not going to redo my entire fucking golf everything right now. Like, I just can't do it. And it is sometimes embarrassing. Like, sometimes, dude, I did, I did this event on Monday night with Tommy Fleetwood. Like, Pat Hoyer did this thing and I hosted it with him. And Tommy's like, your grip is the strongest grip I have ever seen, <laughs> ever. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's a little embarrassing that it's like that strong. And meanwhile, like, I can, I'm not bad. You know, like, I'm not a terrible golfer. But it is like slightly embarrassing how strong the grip is and just the people's response to it are like, oh my God. And so like Adam's, Adam's swing coach, Brad is, is a friend as well. And like, all he does is look at golf mm-hmm. swings and he's like, oh, I, like before he saw it, he's like, I can definitely help you with your, with your strong grip. No question. And then he saw it and he was like, you're good. You just stay just like you are. Like, there's <laughs> like, you would have to, you'd have to break the whole thing. Right, down, right, right. Like, yeah. And probably not play for, for two years. <laughs> While you rebuild. Yeah. So that is my Achilles heel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Real rehab. Yeah. Um, and then in life, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, <laughs> traditional trauma of, of any of any man or woman in life. But, uh, you know, I think just, again, the, the big thing that that I have learned to do is say no. That was a big thing mm. for me because I'm a people pleaser and like I just want to make people happy. Yeah. But I, I still think like I could get better at that even 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 more so. And I think like that is if I if I could say no to more things, I would be probably much happier <laughs> and much, you know, much more at ease with stuff just because I I pack my days too too full sometimes. And it's it's difficult, I mean, not to not to overshare or get too much into it, but like it's difficult difficult when like, you know, Hodinki is like it's a two hundred person company. We've raised venture money. And so it's just like fuck, you know, it's like these people gave us all this money to like see this growth. And it's like you just don't want to say no to stuff. Like you want to just keep pushing all the time. And there is that pressure to to deliver. Uh, and thankfully, we, we have so far. Um, but it's, you know, there's there's additional pressure and then like new employees. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's it's hard to be the face of something for, for 15 years. <laughs> you know, so like I've been, you know, I've been doing this 15 years. There are people outside my door right now that started last week. Mm. And so it's like the enthusiasm that I had for years zero through 10, we'll say. It's different than the enthusiasm I had from years, you know, 11 to 14 and different I have now. I'm just as excited, but just in a really different way. Mm-hmm. But like you always want to present that face to these folks that have like decided to like give up their lives and join, join this thing, you know, and that is, that is challenging and that I, I struggle with. Do you ever, I mean, do you, do you ever have those moments where you just think about how you started this in, you know, in your apartment um, and, and now it's w- what it is today? Like, does that, does that just blow your mind sometimes? Yeah, I mean, it, I don't, I don't think about it a ton. You know, like when when you're in it, you don't really think about it. Um, I mean, I am eternally grateful, and as I as I say often, say like I'm just happy to be here. You know, like <laughs> I had no expectations of this at all. Um, it it is mind blowing, and it is like it really just proves that anybody can do it. You know, it's like again, I was like, if you had met me when I was twelve or thirteen, you would be like, no, like you know, this guy's <laughs> going to go be an accountant somewhere or something. You know, not not there's anything wrong with accountants. It's probably more surprising to my parents and i think it probably is to me like i always had the confidence i always knew that i could do stuff i i thought i was creative i thought i was a writer i thought i had good vision for stuff but i didn't really know how to express it and i think like that that like watches and golf to a degree and cars to, to a lesser degree like that they're just vehicles to allow me to express the kind of creativity that i've, I've long had i think like that's what I think like everybody is creative. Everybody has ideas. Everybody has like visions of what their, their lives could be or what a business could be. You're just looking for the vehicle to express it. And I think when, in my case, it happened to be watches, like are watches the most important thing in my life. Like definitely not, you know, but like they just became an amazing vehicle for me to, uh, to share what, what I value. And it seems like it came from a really genuine place and obviously passion. Like, yep. and that's what you want as a consumer to see in your, in your, 
business idols is to, is that they made a business that they wanted to start, not because solely there was a gap in the market and they saw an avenue and they saw a means to make the quick buck. Like it's your, your passion about these things, these material items is clear and evident and yeah. Uh, yeah. it's commendable. I appreciate it. And I think like, you know, this, this company called the churning group TCG, who's one of my bigger investors, like they only invest in companies that in brands basically that were not built in the boardroom. And there's some amazing businesses that were built in the boardroom, of course. But like, if you, if you care, you just get an additional level of support, an additional level of, of caring. And then you get the, the kind of like Pied Piper effect where like all of a sudden, like Ben Clymer is like a watch guy and people will mm-hmm. listen to him. And like, you know, th- there are other people out there that, that, that have done, done great things in golf and elsewhere in that way. And I think the best businesses are born out of, out of love for the thing. And again, I do love watches, but it's not, not the end sure. all for me mm-hmm. um and it's just it's just a matter of like em- embracing uh what makes you happy and again like the watches are a vehicle for me for for storytelling you know i went to journalism school after ubs um i i love the community aspect of it like i met my wife through watches you know like some of my best friends i met through through here um it's really an amazing vehicle and golf is the same thing like you know you you can make meaningful deep relationships based around a thing or an activity and and golf is exactly the same way well, I'm glad it, it brought you to us. Uh, Me too. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Likewise, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Ben. And uh, we appreciate you uh, not saying no to us. Um, that's uh... <laughs> of course. All right. Well, we won't keep you. Enjoy. I mean, you have a, you have a, sounds like you have a busy, busy diary ahead of you and uh, we'll let you go. But thanks for joining us. Really. It was, it was fun. My pleasure. Have a great one.